Today's Real Talk, Justin Kazepis, 306 on the day. We're here focusing on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Justin Kazepis, attorney, uh, broker, investor, realtor. You got to say it the right way. It's two syllables. I've told you before, if, if your broker, when they come in your house and they're trying to market your property as a realtor, fired. You're fired. On the spot. Done. 844-STUDIO-4. What's the coolest real estate project happening in your community right now? What's the worst real estate project happening in your community right now? 844-STUDIO-4. Whether you like it, you hate it, you love it, you wish you had it. You know what I wish we had on the north side? In the Lake Norman area, here's what we need. Somebody make the phone call right now. Trader Joe's. That's what we need. We need a Trader Joe's on the north side. You talk about a staple anchor tenant that would draw in a crowd, Trader Joe's. But we don't need more traffic. That's what they'll say. Can't have it. It's too good. We can't have it. Trader Joe's would break it. We cannot handle any more cars on the road. We can't handle any more People coming and going. The infrastructure can't take it! I bet you there's some things that we'd be okay with, though. Do we need more residential properties? If you're here already, you probably don't want any. But what about if you have, like, family that's trying to move here? Right? If you got family that's trying to move to the area, you go, all right, all right. All right. We, we'll take it. We'll, we'll have a little bit more supply. We're asking right now, WSICnews.com, all the social platforms. You can see the video stream right now. Would you want Trader Joe's in the North Charlotte area, Lake Norman region? Do you want Trader Joe's? That's what we need to know. We're really interested. You can connect with us, 844-STUDIO-4, or even through our social networks where we video stream all of our local content. And I'm jumping around a little bit because Bill's over here playing with these, these ticker tape scrollers we've got going on on the video stream, Radio Fam. So if you're not connected with us, WSICnews.com, that's where you want to be because you get the latest and greatest on the inside and you see the new fun tricks that we uh, unveil on a daily basis, it seems like, around here. But infrastructure continues to be a critical conversation. And some of it, I question, okay, how much can be changed at the administrative level that currently exists? Like, are there dollars we're just wasting? Is there a broken process right now? The governor's seat is very important as it relates to DOT. It's pretty much one of the most coveted seats there are at the state level, and that's a vital aspect that the governor's office provides is leadership at the DOT level. Now, we've got some great state legislators who are uh, in the know on transportation. Senator Vicki Sawyer, she's chair transportation she does a show here on WSIC every Friday. We're just saying airs from 11 to noon Monday or excuse me on Fridays. We've also got some other great leadership that does shows here on WSIC. Representative Jason Sane does a show on Wednesdays from 11 to noon. Representative Jeff McNeely also does a show. His air today Monday from 11 to noon. 
And so infrastructure continues to be part of the conversation, but how do you pay for it? I'm also of the belief that the local level needs as much control as possible. It's just difficult when you drive through the rest of the state, you get to Raleigh and like, there's a lot of nice roads in Raleigh. There's a lot of big infrastructure projects in Raleigh. You wonder though, if the playing field is equal. Because around here, when a new project comes in, say to your local planning department, it's working its way through entitlements, inevitably, there will be what's called a traffic impact study that's got to be completed. And the, the mantra that exists for the most part is you, you don't get the funding for the roads until you've got the need. But I look around Raleigh and I say, well, wait a second. This is not that much of a need. They got some nice roads. William's got a question. He's, he's calling in. William, you're on the phone. You got a question about Miami? What you doing? You going to get, get, get a tan or what's going on? No, nah, I don't need no tan. I got too much diesel in my blood for driving trucks. I don't think it mixed too good get, trying to get a tan. <laughs> Just ignite. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, no, my uncle's trying to get out of there. And his closing happens the end of this month, but he called over the weekend and said, I don't know if it was the bank or if it's the buyer's bank or what the deal is, but they're asking for another appraisal. And there's only been, there's already been two appraisals happen. Is that a normal procedure sometimes in selling and buying homes or do you know? How long has he been under contract for? Uh, that I'm not sure. I think it was back in, July, okay. I think, but I'm not positive on that. So, so there is a concept of, of an appraisal expiring after a specific length of time. Just like an inspection and an appraisal is very similar, that the appraiser who is certifying to the, to the potential value of that property, they are certifying at that singular moment in time. So then the lender on their risk assessment and when they're underwriting a deal, they say, well, wait a second, 90 days has passed since that appraisal. The value in the marketplace could be completely different. We need to order another appraisal to see. And then you change the timelines a little bit depending on the type of loan or if there's a situation. I'll give you an example. When when Demi and I, my wife, but we bought our first place, it was a little uh, two-bedroom townhouse. We did an FHA loan. And the FHA appraiser, when they came out, it's interesting that an appraiser would be the one to, to be involved with this, but there was some chipping paint on the um, external storage unit at the townhouse. And the appraiser notated that FHA doesn't allow it, and so we had to go out and paint the little storage shed and then have the appraiser come back and reappraise the property because it didn't meet this kind of code, if you would, for FHA. So... I would say if the fa another factor potentially could be the type of loan that the buyer's getting. We see it on FHA and VA loans commonly. Yeah, I think it's partially a loan through the bank, and then he's gonna—he's already put a deposit down, um, and he's going to pay the rest in cash. So it's going to be partial cash payment as well as a loan. Um, either way, at the end of the day, it's all going to be paid to my uncle. He's the seller, and, and the other person's the buyer. But I'm guessing it's on their end that they're doing wanting to do another appraisal, and you just made a little bit of sense there as far as uh, the figures could be played into my uncle's favor. It could be played into the buyer's favor. It just depends on what the what the figures are, I guess. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting. It when they 
here here in North Carolina, the standard offer to purchasing contract that Realtors will use, it's called Form 2T. It's actually a national, it's a Realtor Association form combined with a bar association form. And, and in, in the actual document for the offer to purchasing contract here in North Carolina, it specifically states that financing is not a condition of the purchase, though the buyer is disclosing the amount that they have to borrow in order to buy. I don't know if Florida is the same, just a random tidbit there whenever like an appraisal comes in low, people freak out. Um, only certain types of loans do appraisals get reported on. Uh, but in this shifting market, you know, you got to be on the lookout for it. William, real quick, we got to go to break. But uh, did your uncle find a spot here locally yet or no? No, he's still searching. Um, he's thinking Hickory area as well. I don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but yeah, beautiful he's area. Getting out of Florida, beautiful area. Still some strong pricing there for buyers. Uh, also, got to love Hickory because App State now with their new satellite campus, brand new building. Well, it wasn't new, but it was a building right. they bought. They've converted right. for an additional uh, campus yep. extension. So, thanks for the call, William. We appreciate you listening, sir. All right. Take care. See you. Today's Real Talk, the show where we focus on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. 844-STUDIO-4. If you want to be part of the conversation, you're always welcome around here. Today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. I'm your host, your liaison through the day, Justin Kazepis. Bill is on the sticks as he is each morning with me. If you haven't listened yet, good morning, LKN, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. We, uh, we're out here every day. I got the question today about Israel. Multiple times I've gotten the question about Israel already. Do I believe that the fighting in the Middle East will affect real estate prices? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I do believe that the Middle East fights that are, have been taking place really since the beginning of time and will continue until the end of time uh, will affect real estate prices. A couple of ways. Number one is oil. Uh, believe it or not, no matter the rhetoric you hear, petroleum, carbon, fossil fuels, it ain't going away. They can try to promote all the EV and alternative energy sources that they want in the world, it is not going to stop fossil fuels from being needed. Because the funny part is, here's the funny part. How are you going to drive the batteries around? Like, like once you make the battery, you got to drive it to the store that's going to sell the battery. To get the materials to the factory where they make the batteries, you've got to drive those materials to that store. How does that get done? Petroleum. Fossil fuels. Good old gasoline diesel fuel depends on the size of the vehicle type of engine no i'm not an expert i have never played one on tv either additionally uh i i do think the middle eastern stuff gets everybody more nervous than most like china makes people nervous right russia makes people nervous hamas iran they make people real nervous because you, you talk, the, the, here's, the dif here's the difference. Putin, I mean, even if he's eating a, a, a bowl of clam chowder on the weekend, I don't think he really wants to die. But these people like from Iran and Hamas, they want to die. Like, like to them, it's glory to die. And that's what makes people nervous. So you put some weapons in their hands, you put them any one step closer to our, our friends, you know, 
even if president, whether president Biden was awake or not, I'm glad they moved the ships the way they did. That's what I'll say. I don't know if it was him who actually moved the ships. That's a different conversation. I'm just giving people recollection of what it was like to have Sean Hannity on this station. You know, right now it's more than what I'm doing. That's the route I've, I've decided to take this afternoon. But will local real estate, real estate prices be affected? Yeah, I think they will. I, I think we'll also see, it also drives from a policy perspective people back toward the middle. Because nobody wants fighting. N nobody in the world really wants to fight. You can, you can be like in the moment, you know, like when you're around your friends, and like you guys get this really great idea. Yeah, we're going to do it. And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next day. Dude, can you believe we talked about that? We really were going to do that last night. We really thought that was a good idea. Like for 90 some odd percent of the world, the next morning, it was like, wow, they're actually going to try to do this right now. We're, we're really, we're really going to do this. Because there's no winning for them. Like, like we're not going to like just let them take Israel. It's not going to happen. And yet they're still going to try. And so again, it moves people from a policy perspective to the middle, which subsequently from a social psychology perspective, you start questioning the local policies that you're surrounded by. So a more kind of ancillary, wider, wider macro approaches, people tend to, okay, well, wait a second. My ideologies don't, don't match where I currently live. So I'm going to look to move. And I would say North Carolina is probably one of the most middle-of-the-road states there are right now. I, I, I don't, I, I, as far as like a well-balanced machine, I'd say North Carolina's pretty good. I'm trying to think what, who else compares to North Carolina right now. I mean, we, we know the economic numbers of Florida, of Texas, uh, but from a, from a pure policy perspective, I, I don't know many more that are, that are more middle-of-the-road than we are. You know, Florida's gone pretty far right. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm just speaking factually right now with you because you're, you're, you're a competent human being and I'm going to treat you like one. Florida's gone pretty far right. Texas is right, but it's also got some extreme liberal cities. And so that creates an interesting dichotomy between the, the, all the relationships, especially with the border stuff going on right now. How does border affect real estate prices? Ugh. I mean, they, they can't afford the houses, don't get me wrong, but, but I think the play here for both the far left and the far right in allowing people to come across the border, and don't be fooled, both sides are okay with the border being open on the extremes. It's the middle that, that's questioning things. But the far right and the far left, the, the common denominator is labor. Well, we've got astronomical wages, and astronomical is relative. We've got high wages, increasing wages throughout the United States. We have a lack of labor supply. How can we fix that problem? Well, let's increase the supply. How do we increase supply? Well, just open up the border. Let them, let them flood through. Let them come from every, everywhere. Definitely interesting on the rhetoric how that shifted very quickly in the, in the recent days. Um, but again, tying back to the development perspective, okay, labor gets cheaper. 844-STUDIO-4, the phone lines are wide open right now. And so labor, is that a dramatic overnight effect? I haven't seen, you know, uh, Governor Abbott dropping their buses of people off here in North Carolina. Does anybody know of that going on? 844 Studio 4. They dropping buses off of, of migrants in North Carolina? I don't think so. I, I just don't think they are. I haven't seen any. I don't know if that is... 
Is that only happening in the liberal cities? Like, is it just purely the, like out of spite, Governor Abbott's like, let's take them to Vice President Kamala Harris's front door and drop them off there? Probably. It's a game. Now, I think that that's like a, from a chess move perspective, definitely a strong counter tactic. Because clearly it's working because they're a little upset now. Quite the gambit. Many a play is being drawn up and ran. You need to check out the word of the day in the morning show. I can't let that go without saying that. You got to check out the word of the day in the morning show. That was today's word of the day was gambit. So now I can check off my box. Hey, I used it in a sentence. Didn't do it on my own. Needed the help of producer Bill as usual. 844-STUDIO-4. So there's some local projects coming up. We're going to talk about them here in a little bit. Uh, interesting things going on in Mooresville right now. Uh, the Mooresville Scoop had uh, a couple of stories come out recently. Um, their, I believe, planning director is now gone. Uh, and I believe the town manager is, his last week is next week, I want to say. I believe next week is his last day. And so there, there's some clearing out going on. Uh, n- new people running for mayor. Mayor Miles Adkins not seeking re-election. There's also been some talk, it looks like, at the board meetings of some other things going on generally throughout the town of Mooresville. Uh, Huntersville not without its scandals as well. Um, not sure if you caught the expose piece on Commissioner Parti. Uh, On Friday, Brett Jensen at WBT broke that story. Uh, We will be having the candidate forums Thursday this week for Cornelius, Tuesday and Thursday next week for the town of Huntersville. I will be moderating those events. We will be broadcasting them live on WSIC from 7 to 9 p.m., and we will also be live video streaming them. So if you are a resident of the town of Cornelius, we would encourage you to uh, be there or to be listening or watching to the candidate forum because you can submit questions. That's ultimately what we want. We want you as the uh, public to be able to submit questions to potential leaders and ask the things that are important to you. And that is what I see my role as being is helping make sure that your questions get answered. And so you'll be able to submit them directly and we'll make sure that those go through. And so for Huntersville's being the 17th and the 19th, I can't remember on the top of my head which, which day has the mayoral session on it. But, and I made this statement this morning because I was got I got asked a couple of times. Okay, well, Justin, are you going to talk about Commissioner's Party, uh, Commissioner Party's uh, expose that Brett Jensen broke? Uh, I, I I'm not going to spend a lot of time analyzing Brett Jensen's discussion and distribution of information. Those facts are out there, and you can go look those up. I, I will say that at the candidate forum, if Commissioner Party is there. I certainly will ask. I, I think it needs to get addressed up front. I don't know if he's planning on being there now at this point, though. Can't speak to that. I haven't talked to him. Uh, I'll just leave it. Leave the cards on the table. And if he shows up, I'm assuming he's still running for mayor. And if he doesn't show up, then I think it's safe to assume he's not running for mayor. Is that fair? Is that a fair thought process? Okay. And it is the Lake Norman Chamber uh, candidate forum, so I would I would certainly you know assume that in some way, shape, or form we'll have an answer likely prior to that because a week is a long time, especially in local politics, you know. But again, back to transportation, um, it continues to grow, continues to rapidly evolve. The city of Charlotte issuing uh, the statement that they are going to be spending dollars on reassessing the red line, so mass transportation conversation coming up again. 
I'm, I'm learning a little bit about there's like a difference between like a commuter line versus a rail line, like all passenger, blah, blah, blah. There's all these different categories of trains, too. I've never been like a big train guy. I feel like I should be almost at this point. I'm just waiting on Elon to come through and just bore a bunch of tunnels. Let's just bore a bunch of tunnels underground. Zippity doo dah. Any which way you want to go. Be cool, like if you, but then you get people doing crazy stuff, right? Because how do you stop people from driving like in a circle all the way around the tunnel, like trying to do like some Sonic the Hedgehog moves? How can you stop people from doing that, hmm, Elon? Why don't you ask her to answer that question for us today? Eight four four Studio Four. If you want to uh, join us for the talk of North Carolina real estate, business, and life, North Carolina again on top as far as one of the the number one state for business. It continues. A lot of local boutique businesses, a.k.a. small businesses. I just don't like referring to them as small. I feel like that's almost disrespectful. They're boutique. I wouldn't say dainty either. I don't think dainty is the right way to describe them either. But boutique businesses, many of them popping up around the area. There's not enough space for them. It's continuously not enough space. We need more space for more businesses here. Is that okay? Are we okay with more businesses? It doesn't have to be residential. Are we okay with more businesses? But you know that the, the businesses bring in the traffic and then the people put the... And then you've got to... Oh, wait. That's right. It all kind of works together. You got to have a good balance. What is a good balance? That's a fair question. Maybe one we should analyze. Coming right back. Today's Real Talk, Justin Gazepis, the show where we focus on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. North Carolina real estate attorney, broker, investor, general jokester. It's usually how it goes. Going to have Lance Lambert on as a guest next week. He's with Fortune Magazines. Uh, he's the real estate editor for Fortune Magazine. You can follow him at News Lambert on Twitter also known as X. He'll be a guest on today's Real Talk next week. Uh, there is a letter issued by the Mortgage Banker Bankers Association, the uh, National Association of Home Builders, and the National Association of Realtors. It's a joint letter, and they sent it to Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Banding together for the good of the American dream. And, and the summation of the letter is this. We strongly urge the Fed to make two clear statements to the market. Number one, the Fed does not contemplate further rake heights. Stop playing with our emotions. No more rake heights. Make it clear to the people so everyone can time the market perfectly. Number two, the Fed will not sell off any of its MBS holdings, mortgage-backed security holdings, until and unless the housing finance market has stabilized and mortgage-to-treasury spreads have normalized. So I, I don't know if you recall from 2008 when the crisis happened. Um the greatest financial crisis, basically, of, of, of our time. And there was the concept of mortgage-backed securities. And simplistically, without getting into a lot of the minutia, 
50,000 foot view. Whenever, whenever a mortgage occurs, there, there's an investor behind it, right? When you get a loan. And so there, there became this concept of taking a, a package of multiple mortgage, hundreds, thousands of mortgages, grouping them together to sell as a singular securitized asset. And, and there was a rating system that occurred. And that, that's where it all went sideways is that someone who clearly wasn't qualified, they'd still, the loan would still get rated as like an A plus from the Better Business Bureau. And so that's how things got into trouble is there was just so many loans being issued that were not good to good borrowers and everybody became underwater. That, that's the synopsis of 2008 and the mortgage crisis. But the federal government has still been buying mortgage-backed securities. And the federal government is still a, hold, a holder of a lot of, of, of mortgage-backed securities. So, so a lot of real estate within the federal government's portfolio. And so what this joint letter talks about is, and, and not only do we want you to calm the hearts and minds of people by saying you will not raise interest rates again. That's like, that's like telling your strategy, basically, is what they're asking the Fed to do. Second to that, don't disrupt the market pricing by selling off the packaged loans you've got. Because here, here's the concern. Interest rates are so high right now. The cost of borrowing is so high right now. Will the overarching collateral be valued less if at this point the Fed was to sell it off? And so then on a secondary market, as it relates to big banks, ginormous piles of cash and other equity funds, hedge funds, private capital groups, the value of these portfolios just in the marketplace, just causing this riff of real estate, ultimately because people want to know, how can I get back to a strong capital market for doing real estate? That, that's what the Fed has a chokehold on real estate right now is the cost of borrowing money. And that's why places like North Carolina, when you've got people moving from up north, out west, down south, to North Carolina, where the pricing, even as high as we see it as, having been here and grown up here, right? I've lived here for 30 years. Pricing's higher than it's ever been. But for someone moving from a different location in the country, it's peanuts. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. To them. It doesn't bother them at all. They're not worried about it. They're not worried about interest rates because they're paying cash. So why would they care what the interest rate is? And our marketplace has that now more than ever. You've got so many people moving here that the demand has shifted what the market will bear as far as a price. Because that, that's the literal process. When, when, a, when a realtor comes into your home to offer to sell it and help you sell it by marketing the property, they're estimating the value that a ready, willing, and able buyer is willing to pay for a home. And the, the, the value that a ready, willing, and able buyer is willing to pay plus the value a ready, willing, and able seller is willing to let it go at, where those two points meet, that is the definition of the market. And so when one of those parties is willing to pay more, the buyer, because they came from out of state, they've got more cash in their pocket, they're, they're coming from a place where they're paying a lot more for a lot less, and then you've got a seller who's saying, hey, wait a second. If I'm going to cash out, it's time for me to really cash out. And I want to get the highest offer I can possibly get. And so that's what's causing anomalies that everyone's wondering about in the market. How long is that sustainable? It's not a market crash that, that, that's the reality of figuring out. The real thing to figure out right now is what's the new floor? 
are we at the floor or is there going to be an, a down adjustment? Are we going to see a price decrease, regardless of the percentage? I mean, a loss is a loss is a loss. You know, I race my, I race my life a quarter mile at a time. Winning's winning. In the world of finance, it's the same thing. It's a, it's a win or a loss. There's literally a line on the sheet. And if you've got multiple sheets, you want the total across all. If you combine all the sheets, you want them all to win. Or you want it to be a positive, right? And that, that makes me a little nervous of being in a marketplace where if, if ever someone's trying to play their losses game in our market, I don't ever want to see that. People taking losses just to offset their balance sheet. I think we're past that cycle, though, at this point, because the market's just been <laughs> capitulating for quite some time. Not the real estate market, though. Real estate market's standing strong. Rents? Rents aren't going down. Rents are going up. The average, previous to the average uh, rent increase you'd see on a contract, 3% year over year. Wouldn't be uncommon in your lease. Hey, would you like to renew? You can. We can go ahead and, we can go ahead and decide on that price now. If you renew, I'll give you a three-year lease, but it's going to increase each year by 3%. Seen somewhere they took out the percentages completely from the contract. We'll renegotiate then whenever you're ready to go up. There are some people who literally had 20% increases on their rent year over year. Because the landlord could. The market allowed for the pricing. And, and the same continues to be with even active listings. You know, last week, and I'm pulling up literally right now. All right, we're, we're still, we're, we inched up. We just reached just about 705000 on the average price of an active residential listing in Mecklenburg County. We're $705,600. So we're still ticking up. Even a little less slight, slight. The previous week was about a $10,000 difference. We've actually gone down, it looks like, on the number of active units. We're down to about 3,800 active units. We were at 3,900 active units last week. So less units available, less supply, and the demand is now dictating that price. Land, if you're looking at land in Mecklenburg County, the average price of an active listing of land right now in Mecklenburg County, you think, if you had to guess, would you say north of 750? Yeah, because it's 900000 for active land. Active land in Mecklenburg County. It's not stopping. I don't see it stopping. Jobs are the biggest factor right now. Do we keep jobs where they're at? And that's got to be the goal. We've got to keep well-paying jobs in our area if we want it to sustain. And so I'm proud when, when I see North Carolina as number one for business. I want people business. I want businesses coming here. Because you think about the mom and pop shops, right? Those are the backbone, backbone of the community. I mean, your local little marts that you love, your local little food shops, your local, you know, things and activities and experiences and entertainment. But they're not playing at these giant scales of economy like your major Fortune 500 companies, right? These, these are people that got a mortgage. Kids, they're going shopping at the local grocery stores too. And so I want to keep those going, but wages and spending. Drop it. That's what matters. Wages and spending is the most simple equation I could put together for you for the economy. 844-STUDIO-4. You're welcome to join the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Coming back. Today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Justin Kazepis, real estate attorney, broker, investor. 
Been in the Lake Norman area since 94. 94. Seen some change, some of which I've liked, some of which I don't understand. And uh, that's okay. But I'm here to learn. And if you want to learn too, you're welcome to join the conversation at any time. 844-STUDIO-4. Got qu- asked the question during the break, uh, is BlackRock just a conspiracy group that manipulates markets? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, it feels like it, right? Sometimes it does. Uh, now, they will never admit to it. They certainly won't. Uh, there's a concept called insider trading, Right. There's a concept called insider trading. And this goes to, look, I'll bring it back a little national here. Should politicians, should elected officials be allowed to trade in the open market given their stature and position and ability to manipulate that market? It's a fair question. Nancy Pelosi was very clear on it when she was asked. Should, should, should elected officials uh, not be allowed to uh, participate in the market or should they freely be allowed to? She said, don't put any restrictions on me. It was very clear. She said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep trading. I don't care how many Twitter bots are following my portfolio around. I'm going to continue trading. And she's made a bunch of money doing it, by the way, too. I mean, she's, she, even though she represents San Francisco, she still makes a little bit more money than you think any normal you know, politician should be able to make. I mean, come on. It's a little questionable. I don't care what your politics are. Seems like a reasonable conversation. And there's people on both sides. Don't get me wrong. I'm just picking her out because her portfolio is is enormous. Uh, So it's almost borderline unbelievable. But BlackRock, back to BlackRock. uh, So BlackRock being a major, major investor uh, in buying portfolios. When they buy properties, they're not really buying like a singular property. They're buying like a city. Like they're, they're buying mondo amounts of assets. And some of which on a, you know, from a book's perspective, they use real estate losses to offset gains. And so is, has, is it, can I say, it, you know, from the boardroom perspective, and I am not inside that room, by the way, I'm literally making this up as I go. Is there likely conversations occurring to say, which portfolio could we buy that can offset our gains? Because we know the economy is... The market that likely that portfolio, whatever rating it may have, might not do well. I don't think that that's a far stretch to believe that that leadership is, you know, some leaders and some companies are taking it to that far. Is there anything we can do about it as common folk? I don't think so. I think the machine's too big now. I don't think it changes. In 2008, they implemented every type of legality and compliance rule and perspective they could. Real estate... People are qualified that are buying properties right now. It's very difficult to be qualified for a loan. So as these rising interest rates occur, people are really feeling that. Like what I was qualified before from a price perspective, I'm no longer qualified for. And again, that's where particular marketplaces where you're seeing an influx of cash, like North Carolina, people moving here from states that sold at a much higher price, got a lot less there, and now can retire continue living life, build a family at, in their mind, a much more reasonable cost. Well, they're, they're being met with the local people who are already living here that were used to staying in the same market and moving up. By moving up, I mean into a larger property, different property, also downsizing. Can you find a, you know, a true ranch, three-bedroom, half-acre lot in a nice subdivision for a decent price these days? Good luck. 
I mean, that was the retirement model, a true ranch, three bedroom, little quarter to half acre lot, a nice subdivision. That's the retirement dream right there. You can't find that anywhere. Not for a reasonable price. Not for if you were already living here at the, you know, traditionally seen North Carolina wages. But again, when you've got people moving here from out of state that have cash from selling their asset or, you know, from employers as this type of remote work really launched through COVID. Now, we are seeing back to office more. I will say that the, the city appears to be thriving once again in downtown Charlotte, uptown, depending on where you're located at. As the big banks call people back into the office, other major companies call back people back in. There will always be some level of hybrid and hybrid accounts for some of the real estate movement, because people, if they, if they don't have to live super close to work because they don't have to drive in, well, then they're willing to compromise. And the compromise is occurring at a level that is one of the most coveted things in real estate, and that's location. Location is one of the most coveted aspects of any property. But now as pricing shifts, people wonder, okay, if I, I got to move a little bit far out. And here's what trips people out from North Carolina. It tripped me out for a long time. If it took me more than four minutes to get to anywhere I wanted, I was, I was having a bad day. But you've got people moving here from New York, Connecticut, California. They spend hours in the car every day sitting in traffic. Atlanta, even Atlanta. You spend some time in the car sitting through some traffic. And we're getting just a little smidgy taste of it. Every time I go on Highway 73, that's what I shout. What is this, Manhattan? Move your, move your tukuses. That's what I say. I shout it. I put down my window. I stick my head out. What are you doing? Move it. I'll just start shouting at people. Don't put it past me. I don't care, Mr. Motorcycle Person. Don't you be cutting in between lanes here. This is, this is not Calif California, motorist. But for people here that have been here for a long time, that trips them out, freaks you out. I had to spend six extra minutes on that road today. I had to leave 10 minutes earlier than I normally did. That's the reality of what we're facing. I think we're getting used to it slowly, but surely. You know, I don't have school-age children yet. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So what it's like once they're in school, I don't know. It's going to shift the, the perspective again a little bit. Maybe. I think back to high school and getting up at 7.15 in the morning. I mean, school started at 7. I didn't get up at 7.15. I was late if I got up at 7.15. I had to be in, my, in the chair at 7.15. That's after you parked and you walked in, you drove to school, you, you woke up, you showered. If you showered, you had breakfast. If you had breakfast. If you did other ancillary activities prior to going into school, that happened. And, and so as that dynamic continues to shift and the lines of schools change, how much are schools going to affect real estate? You know, North Carolina's budget now including a voucher program that they're rolling out. So then that way the, uh, m the lowest on the economic poll will have the most dollars to spend for their children on education to the school of their choice. You're going to see a lot more schools pop up. The interesting thing, this is very interesting. I learned this. I was working on a project in Lincoln County. Uh, it was a concrete production facility. I was there for a conditional zoning request or special use permit, I think, at that time to be allowed for a concrete production facility. An additional project that was being um, heard during that commissioner meeting was for a school, a new charter school. 
It had already gone through the state process and got its charter, I believe, and all this stuff, or somewhere in the process. And the request was for the conditional zoning for a school. Safety, transportation, traffic impact study could not be considered. By statute, it could not be considered by the commissioners for consideration of approval. So they could not deny the request at all based on traffic impact, safety, uh, anything related to that. By statute. So what happens when all these schools pop up and the local municipality cannot deny them based on infrastructure, transportation, safety? Why can that? What then becomes the result? Why? I, it's an amazing thing to me, and and it made sense, right? Like we wanted to encourage schools. I get it. I get the I get the 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 original thought process behind it. And then at the same time, we don't want the local dynamic to start playing politics with schools. We want to allow all a wide variety of schools for people. So what's the answer? The answer is you got to put more you know infrastructure in place. Got to find a way to do it. It always comes back to dollars. How do you pay for it? How do you put in these roads? A lot of it has to do with the top-down, right? Trickle-down economics. Where and what are they spending the current dollars on? Evaluate that. See if the dollars are being spent in the right place and based on the right framework. And then from there, you continue on to find out, okay, do we need more dollars? Do we need more money for infrastructure? Or is it purely based on a misspending based on what we have existing? That's going to take some time to figure out, too. That's not an easy, you know, that's not going to be a flip the switch no matter who wins. Even if you get the most fiscally conservative governor possible, that's not going to be an overnight switch. It will take time to evaluate. You got to change out your personnel. You got to get your policies in place. Everyone's got to get acclimated. You got to find your parking spot. You know, you got to get to work on time. You got to find where the water cooler's at. Are you bringing lunch? Are you buying lunch that day? There's a lot that before you get to work, right? There's a lot of factors that go into it. But then once you're there, then you got to start the evaluation process and how do you organize that? And then you got to then you got to take the time to review it and you've got all this political tape. So this infrastructure conversation is not going away even in 2024, not 2025. I think realistically even if we got the perfect person in place to head up the DOT here in North Carolina, I think we're looking at at least 2030 before and it would have to take a full 5 Five and a half years of somebody in the seat that is the perfect person for it before we will have actual answers that determine this is now the route we should go and this is what needs to change. So we've got some time. We've got plenty of time for conversation. Appreciate you joining us for the conversation today. You've been listening to today's Real Talk, the show that focuses on all things North Carolina real estate, business, and life. Joe Vagnone is up next. Local Biz Now, a small business broker, a business evaluation expert. He's got Commissioner Dennis Billadu, who's running for mayor. He's going to be a guest here. I think Bill Russell, president of Lake Norman Chambers, is also going to call. We'll catch you next week, fam. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.